This is Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of this station. Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO on VOCM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Money with Nancy Snedden. I am Nancy Snedden. Thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, it's June, and that means Seniors Month here in Canada, and it's marked in many provinces across the country, including here in Newfoundland and Labrador. This coming Thursday, June 15th, marks Elder Abuse Awareness Day, and that's why we're focusing our discussion on financial elder abuse today. So how do seniors protect themselves, and how can you help protect your aging loved ones? With advice on that, I'm joined by Constable James Cadigan, Media Relations and Public Communication with Royal Newfoundland Constabulary, and Al Antel, Executive Director of Credit Counseling Services in Newfoundland and Labrador. Thank you both for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Nancy. A pleasure. I'm always disheartened, you know, when we had to talk about these things, but it is really important to raise the awareness because we do need to help safeguard our seniors. And I think it's worth pointing out that the number of seniors in Canada is growing. The latest census from Statistics Canada shows the number of Canadians aged 55 to 64 has surpassed those aged 15 to 24 for the first time ever. And the number of people over 85 is expected to triple over the next 25 years. Here in Atlantic Canada, including here in Newfoundland, our populations are proportionally older than the national average. And as the number of seniors increases, so too is the number of incidents involving financial elder abuse among them. So according to Canadian Securities Administrators, nearly one-third at 29% of all Canadians know a victim of financial elder abuse. So I'll start with you, Constable Canadian. What's your reaction to this statistic? Seems like a lot, 29%. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, today's world, you know, with climbing interest rates, uh, you know, and we know of addictions issues and, and different things that our community is impacted by, you know, it puts pressures on individuals and, and you know, they'll go to any means necessary to keep their head above water. And uh, unfortunately, in, in many cases, that, that means criminal activity. Uh, you know, so we have seen fraudulent activity, scams, and and thefts occur in our community. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's important to recognize that, uh, you know, we all have a role to play to, uh, you know, support our loved ones and, and also to support those who may be taken advantage of in these scenarios. No, absolutely. And that 29%, of course, is a national statistic. Would you say that that number is similar here in Newfoundland, higher or lower? Like, what's your sense? Uh, so I, I don't have any data to really, uh, you know, correspond with, with that information right now, but uh, I mean, I, I can say that uh, we have received reports of you know fraudulent activity and uh, scams as well as thefts that you know do involve elders in our communities. Yeah, and I'm sure it's it is similar across the country. Oftentimes, when we do the show and we're talking about statistics, Atlantic can, Canada or Newfoundland, Labrador are, are higher, right, than the national average. Um, So research shows that the financial abuse is the most common form of elder abuse in Canada. And while it can happen at any time, it will often start after a health crisis or after a death of a spouse, partner, or close friend. So people who are alone, lonely, or in poor health are more vulnerable. So Al, let's talk about that because it really is people preying on the most vulnerable. You called it. You absolutely called it. Uh, You know, I've done a number of these shows with you and they always excite me. Uh, but when I got this call, I thought, amen, this is a chance. This is a time to talk about the reality on the street. 
I have done what I do for 40 years. And one of the things that I noticed very, very early on in my career is that abuse is rampant. Now, we are all intimately acquainted, sadly to say, with what I'll call the online organized crime type of scams. These things are atrocious. They're, they're terrible. They, we have to do something to try and protect our seniors from that. But more importantly, we have to try and raise the consciousness in the community and among seniors' population that sometimes abuse, financial abuse, is so insidious and so hidden and so uh, guarded and shielded in love and affection that uh, it, it's, it's pitiful. I mean, I, you know, I, in the last week, I met a gentleman who I won't name names, obviously, but this particular gentleman is uh, in his 70s and has a son who's in his 20s. And out of pure guilt, the son does have some issues. There's no question about that, uh, not the least of which, which are mental health addictions. However, from what we can determine, that dad is giving that son about $2,200 a month, and it's perceived to be voluntary. I want to help him out. But if he, if he starts to cut back at all, son gets reactive and starts to alienate and abandon and so on and so forth. So, you know, and I, I could tell you story after story after story. I don't want to create the impression that we see this every day. We don't. But we see it with absolutely reoccurring frequency. You know, all kinds mm. of subtle, uh, you know, hints and allegations that I need help. You you must help me. If you don't help me, who will help me? You know, uh, it, it's out there. Yeah. It's so true. And, and like you said, oftentimes it comes from the best place, right, in providing that help. But we also know that even small amounts of money for many seniors impact their ability to live, right? So I've mm -hmm. seen in my practice as well as circumstances where, you know, a senior is helping a grandchild pay, pay for a vehicle, but can't afford to pay their light bill or can't afford to yeah. keep their cupboards right. full, right? So, yeah, yeah it's it's tough. So what's most concerning, I think, about financial abuse is that it can be difficult to identify and recognize sometimes. It is often a pattern rather than a single event and happening over a long period of time, as, as Alan and I have been saying. And according to one survey, 42% survey, of Canadians say they couldn't recognize the signs of financial abuse. And nearly half at 47% don't know where to report cases of financial abuse. And we also know from our Fraud Awareness Month discussion back in March that many are reluctant to report being a victim for many reasons. So, Constable Cadigan, how concerning are these statistics, and why do you think seniors are so reluctant to report being a victim? Yeah, I think that's a great point. Uh, I mean, a lot of times it's it's embarrassment, uh, unfortunately, and it's not wanting to admit that this has occurred. And, and uh, to compound that, uh, in most cases, it is a family member or a close friend who is, you know, uh, the one who is causing this this level of abuse. Uh, so that just heightens that level of uh, of concern and, and embarrassment to say that uh, this close person to me is is who in fact has victimized me. Uh, uh, but certainly when you when you talk about contacting resources and and where to report uh, such activity, I mean, we talk about the Adult Protection Act and certainly the Regional Health Authority. Would be a, uh, a line to use to contact and report uh, abuse, and then you can reach out to the regional health authority at 855-376-4957, uh, and they are a great resource for this type of uh, activity. And, and as well, 
you know, we're talking about a lot of cases here is criminal activity, whether it be fraudulent, uh, you know, deception, uh, or just straight theft, uh, you know, where money is being removed from accounts, uh, assets are being taken. Uh, and uh, in that case, you know, we have criminal activity and we would recommend it be reported to the RNC. Uh, and again, this is one of these situations where we know at the RNC that this is an underreported uh, type of event. And, and we just want to ensure family members and, and those who, you know, are, are unfortunately living through this type of uh, scenario that uh, our officers are looking to be there as a support to provide information and education and to, uh, you know, lead the path that uh, most uh, provides, uh, you know, support to those involved. Yeah, it is so important. We talk about this as well when we do the fraud awareness um, on the show in November too, right, that just how many cases go unreported. And I I totally relate to um, that feeling of shame and embarrassment because I see it in my practice every day when it comes to debt, right? People take so long to pick up the phone and ask for help because they have that sense of shame or that that sense of guilt around getting themselves in, in the situation. But, you know, what I would say to my clients and what I would say to any senior out there who's feeling that way is you didn't get yourself in, in this situation. This situation has happened to you, right? And the important thing is that you get help, right? So that you can stop the abuse that's, that's currently happening. Exactly. So I'm sure you would agree with that, Al. Absolutely. One thing that we observe in many of these situations is that the the victim uh, – doesn't want to acknowledge that they're that they are in fact a victim. You know, my daughter wouldn't do that to me. You know, my daughter needs me to help her because she's poor, or she's a single parent, or she's disabled, or she's in school. Uh, that that's one scenario. And the other one is uh, it's misunderstood. It's it's not perceived as abuse. No, 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 Al. They're not abusing us. That's not. I mean, I don't mind giving her a few cents. Yeah, but a few cents is now up to $1,000 a month. It's not a few cents anymore. It hasn't been a few cents in a long time. And and to, to quote you, Nancy, your cupboards are bare. You know, I came across mm-hmm. a situation about four months ago where uh, a woman was regularly depending on the food bank, and then her daughter was taking half the food to her house. Uh, it's, 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 and that got to be normal. And oh, I didn't mind that. She's got two children. I'll get by. So – you rationalize the behavior of another person. Yeah, absolutely. And with so many people admitting, I think, that they can't recognize or wouldn't be able to recognize signs of financial abuse, it's important that we talk about the warning signs that you should be aware of. So we're going to get into that when we come back. Please stay with us. Weekday mornings from 530 to 9. Jumpstart your day with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. Newsmakers, traffic, weather, and more during your VOCM morning show. I'm joined today by Constable James Cadigan. He's a media relations and public communication with Royal Newfoundland Constabulary. And Al Entel, Executive Director of Credit Council services in Newfoundland and Labrador. The focus of today's discussion is financial abuse among our seniors, and it is a growing concern nationwide and right here at home in Newfoundland and Labrador. It's also becoming an even bigger concern as our population ages. So before the break, we talked about the growth of financial abuse that is happening. And what's so alarming about this is that financial abuse can be difficult to identify or recognize. And as we mentioned, this is because it's often a pattern rather than a single event happening over an extended period of time. So according to Statistics Canada, 96% of abuse experienced by older adults goes hidden or undetected because it's often difficult to ascertain because it's a gray area. 
For example, a common challenge is determining when is it assisting with estate planning and when is it stealing? So, Constable Cadding, what's your response to this? How do you know, like, how, how can people tell the difference? Yeah, I, th I think when you look at those signs and, and telltale things that we would notice, uh, you know, the inability to pay bills and, uh, you know, unusual financial transactions. Uh, but I think that it's the people close to uh, our senior that would notice uh, persons exhibiting unusual fear or or change in feelings about a particular person or, or family member or uh, you know assuming financial responsibility of a family member so it's it's things that uh, change over time and that the persons closest to the relationships would would observe that uh, you know might throw up those red flags and and per, and the, the thing to do is to confront them or report uh, to certainly the regional health authority in a case where you feel that perhaps uh, the elder in your in your life, uh, perhaps if they have an illness or other related concern that uh, reduces their capacity to, uh, you know, be able to uh, confront that scenario, that uh, there's supports there for that. Oh, absolutely. And Al, what what are your thoughts on on this? When how can people tell? Like, what warning signs should they be looking out for? Well, we look for at the office, and we and we look for this specifically. Uh, first of all, we look to see is, and we say the gift because what my mother gives me, she perceives to be a gift. So we say the gift. So if, is the gift reoccurring? Am I, am I funding the same request month over, month over, month over, number one? Number two, is the amount that I'm being asked for increasing? And, and have I created a balance? In other words, if I borrowed $500 from mom and I only repaid four, then I left her with one. But then in month two, I borrowed five and I left her with three. So now I owe her four, you know, th those sorts of questions. Uh, so is there a balance? Uh, a request for items or help that's not easily perceptible in the adult. Is this person asking for money for somebody else? And we also look for people who are asked for specifics. For example, are they asked to go borrow money on behalf of, of a, a loved one? Are they asked to co-sign a loan? You know, uh, I need to buy a new car and I can't get a new car. Would you co-sign for me, Nan? Um, or an outright give. I need $2,000. Can I have it, please? And uh, so when we, we ask these kinds of questions in our interviews in an attempt to get to the bottom of what is the root cause of the financial problem that's presenting across our desk. Yeah, and I think too, I mean, we've been talking a lot about, you know, friends and family members and, and stuff like that. And I, I, I think that that is very common, but it's not the only sort of, of financial abuse that's happening with our elders. So as an example, um, you know, there's often those phone and email texting sort yep. of scams that we talk about during Fraud Awareness M Month. So, Constable Cadding, what's your advice on how people can avoid becoming a victim of financial abuse? Yeah, so, I mean, the first thing that often gets discussed in, in our world, uh, in, in the RNC, is that, uh, you know, somebody who is fearful of being abused financially and, and who needs assistance due to capacity or their ability to get around town uh, is to have a, another outside of the family member or, or close person who's going to be providing that support and assistance to have another trusted contact person who is outside of that arrangement 
who will be able to be in contact with the financial institution or that or another family member to ensure that the activity that's going on is above board, that it is uh, you know agreed upon by all parties, and there's no uh, suspicious activity involved. And I guess you also want to make sure that you know you're keeping your passwords, your personal identification numbers, all that stuff to your yourself, right? You're keeping your financial and personal information in a safe place making sure that you're very cautious if you're opening a joint bank account, right? Is is there really a reason that you need to have that joint bank account? Is it something where, you know, you've gotten medical advice or legal advice that you should be doing so, or is it a re, or simply a request, right? You want to make sure that you're keeping a record of money you give away and note whether it's a loan or if it's a gift. Ask for help if you think you're experiencing financial abuse. And, and Constable Cadigan talked about that earlier and gave some numbers that you should be calling. And, and there's no hurt in asking questions, right, to determine for yourself if it's something that you should be following up on. We also ahead, have Al. to stop and talk and think about, you know, the dynamics of family life and, and how things sail through and sail along. You know, uh, one of the responses we get fairly regularly from people is, but, you know, my parents have always given me money, and that's great. That's wonderful. But their lives have now changed. When they were always giving you money, they were making $80,000 a year. Now they're living off modest pensions, you know, their OAS and their CPP. You know, that that $1,000 gift to Christmas time is not going to happen again. It's It's not possible. And, you know, the dynamic that that often creates in families is really difficult for people to work their way through. You know, they feel and they fear that they are somehow shortchanging the children and their grandchildren and all yeah. they're yeah, doing is protecting guilty. themselves. Yeah, the guilt the, we talked about, right? The Sorry, point ahead, I was going to add is um, that, you know, one thing we try to share, aging is a fact of life. I mean, and, and finances are such a secretive, private thing for yeah. most people, certainly in that age age gap. And But the thing is to be open about it and, and discuss it with family and say, you know, I'm going to be declining, whether it be health or, you know, and, and isolation is another factor. So it's important yeah. to be open and honest and discuss these things with families so that there's no secrets. And if, if something suspicious is ongoing, then it's easily detectable. Yeah, it's so important. We talk about that all the time on the show, the importance of talking and being open and honest about your finances, whether you're a senior where your income has been um, reduced, right, and you're on a fixed income and, and you're worried about your expenses or um, even just people struggling with uh, with debt, right, and, and people ask them to go out for dinners and stuff. And we say, look, be open about it. You can't afford it. Let's make another plan where we don't need to spend money. It's always about that open communication, right? And fraud is another form of financial abuse that seniors may fall victim to. And we've certainly been hearing a lot more about this lately. So we're going to talk about that when we come back and offer advice on protecting yourself or a loved one from falling victim to fraud. Please stay with us. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon, licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Canada right here in Newfoundland Labrador. My guest today is Constable James Cadigan. He's a media relations and public communication with the Royal Newfoundland Constabulary and Al Antle, Executive Director of Credit Counseling Services in Newfoundland and Labrador. So it's Seniors Month in Newfoundland, and Thursday, June 15th, marks Elderly Abuse Awareness Day. So our focus today is financial abuse among seniors. The unfortunate reality is it happens more often than we realize, and it often goes unreported. 
So before the break, we discussed the more common types of financial abuse our seniors face, as well as warning signs to pay attention to so you can protect not only yourself, but an aging loved one from being a victim. So another form of financial abuse many seniors face today is fraud. And according to the advocacy group, Canadian Association of Retired Persons, seniors in Canada, particularly those here in Atlantic Canada, are increasingly becoming the targets of scams. The grandparent scam is big right now and making headlines here at home. The Royal New Flint Constabulary issued a media release earlier this year to raise awareness about the scam taking place. There is a case currently before the court involving an Ontario man who allegedly swindled thousands of dollars from senior citizens in St. John's. This one individual is facing 43 charges, including multiple counts, each of fraud over $5,000, extortion, conspiracy to commit an indictable offense, wearing a disguise with intent to commit a crime, and impersonating a peace officer. What's even more concerning about this type of financial abuse is it can happen in person, through email, through phone calls, or online. So, Constable, let's talk about the grandparent scam that's taking place. What do listeners need to know to protect themselves? Yeah, so this particular scam, I mean, we have uh, learned is part of a sophisticated criminal network, and uh, they're operating with artificial intelligence, and they're, they're using tactics to gain trust of the persons they are contacting. And in this case, the uh, target for these perpetrators is our seniors. Uh, they're honing in on their their good nature, uh, their want to help their loved ones, and uh, you know really pulling on heartstrings to take advantage of of these uh, individuals in our community. Uh, so uh, as a result of our investigation, we did learn that uh, a person actually traveled here from from uh, Ontario to uh, essentially be a pickup person who would uh, you know go around our community picking up cash as a result of these phone calls. Uh, that were being made by, in a lot of cases, artificial intelligence using voice, uh, you know, uh, I guess uh, trying to sound as though they are family members. And, and they're doing their research and they're looking at whether it be Facebook, other social media platforms, they're, they're re researching family names of individuals. So uh, it's important that, uh, you know, you, our community understands that this type of activity is, is only becoming more sophisticated over time. And, it's a, and to protect ourselves from this type of activity, we have to ensure that uh, we recognize that if we receive a call of a concern uh, of someone posing to be or saying they are the police or a lawyer or someone linked into the justice system, as it was happening in this case, that the police would never demand a monetary fee or, or uh, any type of uh, demand of, of service uh, in order to... Uh, proceed with a, a process. You know, uh, the law is, is clear and, and, and there is no uh, part of our law here in Canada that would involve a police officer or uh, a lawyer contacting a, uh, a family member to demand cash. Yeah, and we hear that all the time too, even with uh, Revenue Canada scams, right? Which I know seniors have also been uh, a victim to that scam, right? Where they're saying that they owe money to Revenue Canada and they need to be paid in gift cards and, and all these types of things. I mean, it just goes on and on, the different types of frauds that are out there. Yeah. But there was another one that came up recently too, where the Legion had its email hacked. So what can you tell us about that? Yeah, and again, another uh, type of scam that's becoming more prevalent is email uh, scams that, uh, and in this case, it's, it's unique in that the uh, perpetrators gained access to the email of an administrator 
at uh, this Legion location here in St. John's and essentially accessed their contact list and sent a broad uh, reaching email to potentially thousands of contacts, you know, requesting funds be sent to uh, an email. Uh, and in some cases it was Google Play and different gift cards that they, they wanted sent their way uh, by email. And uh, I mean, this is a case where we know, and, and certainly these perpetrators know, that a large percentage of those on the contact list of a legion uh, is likely senior citizens. No, absolutely. It's 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 shocking, really. Like I, I can never fathom what is in people's minds that would make them target well target anyone, but such a vulnerable population that. Anyway, I, I, I don't know what's in people's minds. I don't know what else to say, honestly. Yeah, no, and I mean, this is like the, you know, the, the level of deception is only becoming more ruthless. And uh, so it's important that we talk to our family members, you know, you know, let's let's really protect our finances and, and don't feel inclined to send funds by email until you are uh, able to confirm the validity of that uh, communication. You know, you can contact these locations directly and again, in cases where you are receiving these calls, such as the grandparent scam, make a phone call to your loved one that they're referring to directly and, and uh, speak to them, and you're able to confirm that this, in fact, is not a valid uh, request. Yeah, that's some great advice. So, Al, why do you feel our seniors fall for frauds and scams? What makes them a target for these scammers? You ask yeah, so the best I, I'll let you take that you one, Al. really do. You really do ask the best question. You know, I'm back to my age-old, and you've heard me say this so frequently, I'm back to my age-old statement, this is all about financial literacy. And, you know, I'm not sure it's fair of me to assume that a 75-year-old is going to be as financially literate as a 35-year-old. But what it ultimately comes down to is a basic understanding of what is and isn't appropriate or common in, in, in the marketplace. I mean, the reality is your bank will never, ever send you an email telling you that you're, you're overdrawn. You know, your bank will talk, talk to you by email if you initiate an email with them. Uh, you know, the, 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 the way the requests are made are simply not done uh, in, in business, just not done. You, you know, Revenue Canada is not going to give you, uh, you know, a, an email call or a, a, a computerized call telling you that you're you know, you're, you're overdue when you're filing or they have a refund check for you. And if you do blah, 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 you can have so much money. You know, we, the other one we get particularly among senior women is the, what I call the romance scam. You know, there's a, there's a Russian prince or, or an Arabic prince or a Nairobi prince who uh, wants to marry you. Uh, he, you know, and, and he is stuck in Timbuktu and can't get out of there. And if he only had $3,500, he would be on a plane, and you and he would be Mr. and Mrs. Tomorrow Afternoon. We're seeing more and more and more of that. In fact, we have several senior women on our caseload now who have significant debt problems because they bought into the romance scam. With uh, with uh, you know they're on, they're fishing around online looking for you know they're looking for a date. They're lonely, so they 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 go to one of these dating apps, and boom, they get hooked. Uh, you know, there's there's, there's so many. Uh, and so much of this stuff happening that there's there's a new one every day, and you know you you asked about why I have grown to the point in my forty years where I genuinely believe that there is an element of the population 
small element of the population, fortunately, that is genuinely bad and evil. And, and I think that's what we're seeing as the perpetrators of these acts against senior citizens, against poor families. You know, it, it, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it really is unbelievable. Um, and, you know, you talked about the romance games, and we always talk about those when we talk to our fraud awareness show in uh, in November, and Constable Cadigan has heard me say this uh, during that show, that those are the ones that break my heart the most because it's not just about financial loss in those circumstances, right? There's a real emotional um, loss that comes with that uh, that as well. So that's, those are really heartbreaking. And if you're reaching out in those sorts of circumstances, you know, you are super lonely, you are super vulnerable, you know, and you're super likely to get nabbed. Uh, you know, there's, it's, it's that simple. And, and, and with all due respect, you know, Russian princes do not look for dates on dating apps. That doesn't happen. No, that's right. And as I said, it's, it's, the, it's the financial literacy piece again. What is normal business practice for a financial institution? And, and, you know, you need to get to know that. And as, as seniors age, you know, one of the things we suggest all the time is if there's a seminar or a conference or a meeting where you can gain some financial information by sitting in a room for an hour, go, sit, sit through it. If you're bored, well, okay, you, you waste an hour. But did you learn something? Did you take something away? Are you better armed? Are you better protected than you were before you went? No, absolutely. So some general tips to help you avoid becoming a victim of fraud. Keep important personal documents such as your birth certificate, social insurance number, your passport in a safe and secure place. Don't carry them around with you if you don't need them. Never give out personal information such as credit card numbers, bank account numbers, social insurance numbers over the phone, at the door, or online unless you know and trust the individual. Be careful when you get rid of old statements and bills. Make sure you're shredding them. Fraudsters can rummage through garbage and recycling for old bank statements and bills to obtain your personal information. Don't click on pop-up windows or respond to emails or open attachments or go to website links sent by people you don't know. Be suspicious if someone you don't know asks you to send them money or a check or return money they accidentally sent you. Never feel pressured to sign an agreement or contract in a moment, even if it's a limited time offer. Always best to wait until you or someone you know and trust can look it over. And before hiring someone or agreeing to have work done in your home, ask for proof of identity and references and make sure you check them. So we've had some great advice for seniors listening today. And so how can family members help in prevention of financial abuse or fraud against an aging loved one? We're going to talk about that when we come back. Please stay with us. Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The Cabin Party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM. My guests today are Constable James Cadigan. He's in media relations and public communications with the Royal Newfoundland Constabulary. And Al Antle, Executive Director of Credit Counseling Services in Newfoundland and Labrador. So we've been talking about financial elder abuse, and, and as you've been hearing, it's on the rise here in Canada. And throughout the show, we've been offering advice for seniors on how to better protect themselves from becoming a victim. But I want to also focus now on what family members can be doing. And before we get into that discussion, take a listen to the statistics from the latest report from the Canadian Securities Administrators. Among Canadians who have an older adult in their life, 91% face perceived barriers that prevent them from discussing financial matters that is 
that's pretty much everyone, 91%. And the most common barriers are the belief that their loved one has their finances under control. That's 38%. The belief that it's not their place to talk about finances. That's 37%. And about one third at 30% say that finances don't come up in conversation. 61% believe that the older adults would open up if they were a victim to financial abuse. I'm a little surprised by those statistics. I'm not sure I would have said 61% believe that uh, people would openly talk about this. So Constable Cadigan, what's your response and reaction to these statistics? Should we be engaging more with our seniors on this? Oh, most certainly. I mean, uh, I, I said it already that uh, finances, certainly in my upbringing, uh, seniors, my grandparents, and it, finances were always such a private, secretive topic, and it was never openly discussed. And uh, I think that uh, that does create opportunities and scenarios where uh, a person is looking to take advantage of a senior. Uh, so it's important to actually be open about your finances, certainly as you age, and uh, you know, lean on family and, and close uh, confidence that. Uh, that can provide that level of support and trust to, uh, you know, support an individual as they grow older and, and feel confident that their finances are in, in safe hands and, you know, have that extra layer of, of accountability. Yeah, it is so, so important. And Al, you know, oftentimes, and we've been talking about it uh, throughout the show, right, how hard it is for people to talk about uh, money and finances. Constable Cadigan just said, right, it's a private matter. That was his upbringing and, and that was mine. So how do we get people to be more comfortable in starting these conversations? Uh, you know, the only thing we suggest to people that's had any effect is literally frighten the individual in question. Mom, I'm concerned that something's happening to your finances, and I don't know what it is, but I don't know. I don't like what it smells like. I think we need to talk. Now, that, that's a pretty radical approach, but you, you, you get to that point. Uh, you know, you, you, you have to do it. Now, we encourage people all the time. You know, we would never want to be perceived to, to be uh, fiddling with family dynamics that are otherwise healthy. Absolutely nothing wrong with a parent who has the resources sharing the resources with their children. Absolutely nothing. Providing everybody in the family knows it's happened. If it's, if it's cloak and dagger, it's all wrong. Uh, and number two, you can always rectify that sort of decision in a will. So if I choose to give one of my daughters $50,000 as a down payment on her house when she's buying her house, I can fix that in my will so that daughter number two gets an equal amount when, I, when I'm gone to glory. So we, you know, we need to, to have conversations. Because finances are so guarded by seniors, your approach has to be radical and, and almost has to be invasive. Like, as I said, Mom, I'm worried about you because. Dad, I'm worried about you because. Granny, I'm worried about you because. And, you know, if, 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 if you can't get them to, to open up with that, often you're, you're planting a seed for thought and they will come back to you later and say, you know, two months ago you mentioned to me, well, I think the time has come for me to tell you. So, you know, it, it's pretty wild. It's not necessarily how you want to handle the relationship with your declining adults, but that's how it is. And of course, the one thing we haven't talked about today uh, is is the effect of, of elder medical conditions like Alzheimer's and dementia and the effect that these things have on people's ability to make financial choices. So if you have 
poor financial literacy skills and you are affected by dementia, you're three times as vulnerable. So your family would need to keep an extra eye on you and your finances as you go forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's when you want to make sure that you're getting the right medical opinions, the right legal opinions, putting the right legal documents in place for that stuff. So I want to talk a little bit about warning signs now. So I know in some of the things that I've read about this topic, some of the warning signs to reach out for is if you're noticing a difference in, you know, uh, personal hygiene of the individual, or if you're noticing that their house maybe isn't as tidy as they're normally keeping it, there's not a lot of food in the fridge. Like things like that could mean that they have been a victim of or are struggling uh, with their finances. Anything else to add there, Constable, and what loved ones can look out for as warning signs that there there could be some victimization going on? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, financial abuse is abuse, and it has its emotional and psychological impacts. And uh, you know those are going to be indicative, like of of your of your loved one, as behavior and 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 the way they carry themselves. You know their behavior may change. They may not be willing to go out, uh, you know, to something as, as simple as the grocery store. And uh, then it's the impact on you know I guess the checkbook in that perhaps they can't pay for groceries and and pay the bills. And and that's something that is obviously as we said before, it can be lead to an embarrassment and, and makes it even more isolated of an issue uh, for that senior that they don't want to talk about, uh, as it would be for anyone, not just seniors. It's, it's, a, it's a very, uh, you know, it's, it's an issue that when you're embarrassed about your finances, it, and, and you both know just as well as anybody that it's, it's a very private matter and it's something that people don't want to talk about. No, absolutely. And it is so important to have those conversations, as we've been saying. So we know that growing the financial literacy skills of seniors continues to be a priority for the federal government. It was the first priority of the government's national strategy on financial literacy when it was launched a few years back, I think in 2015. So Al, based on your experience, what are you seeing? Do you believe seniors are more aware today or is more awareness needed? More awareness is needed. However, we are slowly, and I mean glacially slow, in improving skills for seniors along the way. It's a little easier, a tiny, minute bit easier to have these conversations today. But when you look for signs and symptoms, things like not opening mail, like not buying what was always necessity and essential for individuals, when you're looking at self-isolation, when you're looking at not socializing, there's hints here that something's amok and it may fall to you as a child of or a guardian of a senior citizen to start asking the tough questions. Uh, and, and they're tough. They're really, really tough. One place that we find is really, really a useful time to introduce the notion that you need to share your financial information with somebody is a tax time. Because generally speaking, as we get older, we, we often will have a son, a daughter, son-in-law, daughter-in-law, somebody help us with our taxes, that's often a a time to open the door to have a wide, broad financial conversation. Do you have a will, man? You know, uh, if if so, where is your will and blah, 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 you know, and and, and where where do you bank and so on and so forth. Yeah, it is. It's, It's very, very important. And is there anything that you had to add there before we move to final thoughts, Constable Cadigan, on the awareness needed or if you feel that we're making some headway there? Yeah, no, I, I think it, as Al touched on, it's the change in behaviors. 
you know, socializing is a great point. You know, you really notice that change when somebody is experiencing that abuse, whether it be financial and, and the impacts of it being emotional and psychological. That's right. Well, listen, some great advice today, some great insights, some great um, maybe things that people are aware of now that they wouldn't have been aware of before the show. So I think it was an important discussion today. But we do have some time now for some final thoughts. So I'll start with you, Al. If you could leave our listeners with a final thought today, what would it be? Well, first of all, you are not immune. This can happen to anybody. I will go into anywhere between 65 and 90 public education type sessions a year. And when I start talking about, and I do it in most of my sessions, talk about, you know, financial abuse or fraud or so on and so forth, everybody's eyes glaze over because they think that doesn't apply to me. This will never happen to me. And that may be because I'm old. That may be because I'm poor. People at the lower end of the income scale believe that I have nothing worth committing fraud against. And, and you know, when I say to them, but all you need is a name. They're just looking for a name. You know, and they're looking for some credential. So, you know, remember, this can happen to anybody. It happens every day. It happens on your street, and you know somebody that it's already happened to. So don't be naive. Don't be naive. That's great. Thanks so much for joining us today, Al. And, Council Cutting, if you could leave our listeners with a final thought. Yeah, I think I touched on it earlier, but the fact that, I mean, aging is a part of life, and, uh, you know, some older adults are going to also face, whether it's, social isolations, cognitive declines, uh, health challenges, and, and these things make seniors more vulnerable to financial abuse. So I think what I would, what I would say is that as your life, you know, as you grow and, and your life evolves, even from an early age on towards your late years, it's important to be open with family members, family members and plan for that future so that there is a, you know, roots there to uh, set you up for a, you know, a trustworthy and uh, well thought out uh, elder years of your life that, uh, you know, you can lean on financial institutions and their, their protections as well as your family and, tr and trusted loved ones. That's great. And if I could just ask um, if one more time you could share the contact information for people if they want to learn more about how they can safeguard themselves or if they want to report or ask questions about a potential uh, abuse. Yeah, so in a case where, uh, you know, a loved one or, or someone close to a senior has concerns for their well-being and, and potential abuse, reach out to the Regional Health Authority at one 376 4957 and uh, that way you can report your concerns related to potential abuse and and even ask questions of those services as to you know what they can provide for uh, a senior who is you know either having health concerns or uh, you know they you feel they're isolated and they're not getting the support they need that's great. Well, thank you both for joining me today. I think it's such an important topic to bring awareness to. And for our listeners, thanks so much for listening. I always want to hear from you. So if you have a comment or question or a topic you'd like me to discuss here on Your Money, you can email me at yourmoney@bdo.ca or give me a call at 800-563-8337. Until next week, I'm Nancy Snedden. Stay safe and be well, everyone. If you have a question or comment, send an email to yourmoney@bdo.ca. This has been Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, License Insolvency Trustees, on your VOCM.